Good morning, Grace Vineyard, and welcome to those of you who are watching this on our YouTube channel or listening to it on our podcast. On the 23rd of February 2020, I did an introduction to the book of Acts as we began the series of looking at the book of Acts and also spiritual formation, where the plan was to do three weeks on the book of Acts and one week on spiritual formation. We always said that it was not going to be an in-depth, verse-by-verse study of Acts, but rather picking out highlights or salient verses or the themes from each of the chapters. And that is what the preaching team has done over the past year. We've had breaks in the series for various reasons, such as Easter, Mothering Sunday, Father's Day, over the summer and Christmas, to name some of them. And this has meant that it will take us over a year to complete this series. But we are nearly there. In fact, today is the penultimate week of the series. Mark Stoneham will conclude it next week. Last week, we saw Paul being caught up in a riot once again, this time in Jerusalem. He is arrested, almost whipped by, but then protected by the Romans as the Jews planned to kill him. When the murder plot is discovered, he is escorted by the Romans from Jerusalem to Caesarea, where he is kept in custody by Felix the governor. Today we are looking at Acts chapters 24, 25 and 26. If you've not read them recently, I would encourage you to do so, as we don't have the time to read through all of the chapters And I'm only going to pick out certain verses in each chapter. In chapter 24, Paul is brought into the Roman court in Caesarea to face his accusers from Jerusalem, Ananias, the high priest, along with some of the elders. They bring a Roman lawyer with them, as this is going to be a trial in a Roman court, not a Jewish religious court, so they need proper representation. Tertullus, the lawyer, flatters Felix, who is presiding over the hearing, with untruths about how life has been good for the Jews under his governing. We know that this was not true. Even when Jesus was on the earth, the Jewish religious leaders were not happy being under Roman rulership. And one of their main problems with believing Jesus to be the Messiah was they were expecting a Messiah who would take them out from under the yoke of Roman rulership. They, the learned leaders, did not understand their own scriptures. They were supposed to be the religious experts and teachers, and yet they could not comprehend that the kingdom that Jesus spoke about was not an earthly kingdom that would replace the rule and reign of the Romans, but a heavenly kingdom. That is to bring spiritual freedom to all people. Tertullus speaks more lies when he tells of Paul being a troublemaker. Not just in Jerusalem, but around the Roman world. Being a religious religious sect leader and that he tried to desecrate the temple. Now one could argue that there seemed to be riots in a lot of places where Paul was. But the truth is. He was not the one starting the trouble and riots. It was the jealous Jewish leaders who were upset by the number of disciples Paul was making among the Jews and also the Gentiles. 
Tertullus concludes his weak accusations by imploring Felix to examine Paul himself. Basically, they had nothing to offer Felix and want Felix to fabricate charges against Paul. Felix then gives Paul the opportunity to reply. Let's read Acts chapter 24 verses 10 to 16. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city. And they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that agrees with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God that these men, as these men, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Paul does not try to flatter Felix as Tertullus did, but acknowledges that Felix has served in his post as governor for a long time, intimating that he has a good knowledge of the Jewish culture and religion. Paul admits that he is a disciple of Jesus, a follower of the way, but that he also believes the law and the prophets. In other words, the same scriptures that the Jewish leaders believe. Paul concludes his defense with a statement that reveals the real reason for him being on trial. It is found at the end of verse 21. Acts 24 verse 21b. It is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. The Jewish leaders refused to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And that is the real reason for Paul being on trial. To try and stop him from spreading the truth about who Jesus really is. The Son of God, who came to earth as a man, was crucified although innocent, buried, rose from the grave, and is alive, ascended to heaven, and is now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are a stumbling block for so many people. They can accept Jesus as a baby born in a stable and sleeping in a manger. They can accept some of his teachings and even the miracles that he did. He was a good man. They can acknowledge his death on the cross, but they struggle with his resurrection. That after three days of being dead and buried, he came back to life. Felix the governor knew the stories of Jesus. It says he was well acquainted with the way. Plus, he was married to a Jewess, not just any Jewess, but the sister of the king, who we'll get to meet a little later. Felix is fascinated by Paul and listens to him on many occasions. But, I believe, he is afraid of two things. He's afraid to believe what Paul says about Jesus and the, and the way is true, because it would mean he would have to make a decision about his life and lifestyle. And he is very comfortable living as he does. 
He's also afraid of what the Jews might do if he sets Paul free, even though he can find no reason to keep him under guard. So he does the cowardly thing and keeps him where he is, hoping for a bribe from Paul. Acts 24.27 says, When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. How would you feel if you knew you were innocent, but were kept in prison like Paul was? What would you do during that time? Now we don't know what Paul did during this time, apart from have conversations with Felix and his wife. Some commentators propose that it was during this time that Luke spent time with Paul and began writing his gospel and the book of Acts. Luke was close enough to Jerusalem to meet, meet up with the other apostles and also to have time with Paul to hear of his early journey and then reminisce about and record their travels together. Chapter 25 sees the new governor Festus arrive on the scene. He goes to Jerusalem to make himself known to the Jewish high priest and religious leaders who take the opportunity to request that Paul be brought to Jerusalem to be tried, once again plotting to ambush and kill him. Acts 25, 4-12 says, Festus answered, Paul is being held at Caesarea and I myself am going there soon. Let some of your leaders come with me and press charges against the man there, if he has done anything wrong. After spending eight or ten days with them, he went down to Caesarea and the next day he convened the court and ordered that Paul be brought before him. When Paul appeared, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many serious charges against him, which they could not prove. Then Paul made his defense. I have done nothing wrong against the law of the Jews or against the temple or against Caesar. Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there on these charges? Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court, where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews, as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. After Festus had conferred with his counsel, he declared, You have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. Paul must have been tired of all the questioning and posturing by the Jews and the governor and of staying in Caesarea when he had a mission to get to Rome. Paul had accomplished his mission to Jerusalem, bringing the financial support to the church there. It was while in Jerusalem that God commissioned him to go to Rome. Acts chapter 23 verse 11. The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Paul was tired of the delay. It was time for action. And the best way to get there was to appeal to Caesar, which he does. 
Paul and Festus do not have the same relationship that Paul had with Felix. And so he does not go into detail in his defense. He keeps it short and simple and appeals to Caesar. But before he can be sent off to Rome, he has one more time to stand before important people and share his testimony. And this is King Agrippa and his sister Bernice, the siblings of Drusilla, the wife of the previous governor, Felix. Agrippa and Bernice come to pay their respects to Festus as the new governor. And Festus uses the opportunity to get help from them with Paul's case. Court is once again convened and Paul is brought to stand before Festus, King Agrippa and Bernice. Acts 25, 24-27 Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man. The whole Jewish community has petitioned me about him in Jerusalem and here in Caesarea, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. I found he had done nothing deserving of death, but because he made his appeal to the emperor, I decided to send him to Rome. But I have nothing definite to write to his majesty about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that as a, result, as a result of this investigation, I may have something to write. For I think it is unreasonable to send on a prisoner without specifying the charges against him. In chapter 26, we read of Paul's testimony. Acts 26 verses 2 to 3. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews. And especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Paul shares his story with Agrippa and those assembled. This time, his story is very different from what it was when standing before Felix. Both stories are true, there are no lies, but he shares details that Agrippa as a Jew would have better understanding of than Felix did as a Roman married to a Jew. Acts chapter 26 verses 6 and 7 And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our twelve tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. O King, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Paul speaks about our fathers and our twelve tribes. He includes Agrippa and Bernice in his narrative because they are Jews like Paul. Even after Festus interrupts Paul and accuses him of being insane, which Paul refutes, he continues to include Agrippa in his narrative. Acts 26 verses 26 to 29. The king is familiar with these things and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long. I pray God, not only you, but all who, 
are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. Agrippa is challenged by Paul directly about his beliefs, and this disturbs him, so he gets up and walks out of the room. Agrippa acknowledges to Festus that Paul could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. None of them knew or understood the mission that Paul was on, to get to Rome. And he was willing to use any means to do that, even if it meant spending two years or more under house arrest and continual questioning by Felix, then Festus, and finally by Agrippa. As we look over these three chapters, we find that Paul spoke differently to each one of those who questioned him. His story was different each time. It was the truth every time, but the part of his story that he shared with them was different each time. How often when we share our story of coming to faith and getting to know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, do we tell the same story? I know we're often encouraged to be able to share our testimony in two minutes. We've done that here at Grace Vineyard. And it's not a bad thing. But I believe what God wants us to get out of these three chapters is two things. Firstly, we all need to know that we, like Paul, are on a mission every day of our lives, be it locally or in another town, city or nation. We are all called to mission with God every day. Secondly, while on mission, we need to know when to share what part of our testimony. This takes discernment and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Some people need to hear about the moment of our conversion. If, like me, you had a clear moment when you made a conscious decision to invite Jesus Christ into your life and become your Lord and Savior. Some people need to hear from someone who had a gradual conversation, a conversion where it happened over time. Whatever your conversion experience is, there are people who need to hear about it. There are other people who need to hear about something that happened in your life since you became a Christian. A moment along your walk with God. It might have been from last week, last month, last year, or even last decade. Or, if you're like some of us, from the last century. Our testimony is not just about our conversion, but it is our story of anything that happens in our life that brings glory to God and does not make us the center of attention. We need to learn to discern when to share what with the people we are with. We all have stories that God wants us to share with others, especially unbelievers. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you as to when to share and what story to share. Let us pray. Father God, thank you that each one of us has a story that you have given to us. Each one of us, as we live our lives out for you in, this, in these days, that we all have stories to share. We all have a testimony. We all have come to know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that that is true for all of us. I pray that you would help us 
to be ready and willing to share our stories. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would lead us and guide us. You would show us what story it is that you want us to share and who the people are that you want us to share that story with. Thank you that we do have a testimony to share of your goodness, your grace, your love, your peace, your joy. And even in these times of struggles and lockdown, that you are doing things in our lives, that we'll have stories to share with others. Thank you, Father. Thank you that Paul was willing to sacrifice his life to take his, your story into the nations and help us to be like that. That we count our time as yours. You've given it to us. Help us to give it back to you each day. Thank you, Father. Amen.